1: Ever since the time of the late Baron Stott Wartenheim, Mr. Verloc answered in subdued tones, and protruding his lips sadly, in sign of sorrow for the deceased diplomat, the First Secretary observed this play of physiognomy steadily. "Ah, ever since. Well, what have you got to say for yourself? He asked sharply. Mr. Verloc answered with some surprise that he was not aware of having anything special to say. He had been summoned by a letter, and he plunged his hand busily into the side pocket of his overcoat, but before the mocking, cynical watchfulness of Mr. Vladimir, concluded to leave it there. "'Bah!' said the latter. "'What do you mean by getting out of the condition like this? "'You haven't even got the physique of your profession!' "'You, a member of a starving proletariat? Never. "'You, a desperate socialist or anarchist? Which is it?' Mm, "'Anarchist,' stated Mr. Verloc in a deadened tone. Mm, "'Bosh!' went on Mr. Vladimir without raising his voice. "'You startled old Wormut himself. You wouldn't deceive an idiot. "'They are all that by the by, but you seem to me simply impossible.' So you began your connection with us by stealing the French gun designs, and you got yourself caught. That must have been very disagreeable to our government. You don't seem to be very smart. Mr. Verloc. tried to exculpate himself huskily. As I've had occasion to observe before, a fatal infatuation for an unworthy... Mr. Vladimir raised a large, white, plump hand. Ah uh, Yes, the unlucky attachment of your youth she got hold of the money and then sold you to the police, eh? The doleful change in Mr. Verloc's physiognomy, the momentary drooping of his whole person, confessed that such was the regrettable case. Mr. Vladimir's hands clasped the ankle reposing on his knee. The sock was of dark blue silk. You see, that was not very clever of you. Perhaps you are too susceptible. Mr. Verloc "'intimated in a throaty-veiled murmur that he was no longer young. "'Oh, that is a failing of which age does not cure,' Mr. Vladimir remarked with sinister familiarity. "'But no, you are too fat for that. "'You could not have come to look like this if you had been at all susceptible. "'I tell you what I think is the matter. "'You are a lazy fellow. "'How long have you been drawing pay from this embassy?' Eleven years,' was the answer, after a moment of sulky hesitation. "'I've been charged with several missions to London, "'while His Excellency Baron Stott Wartenheim was still ambassador in Paris. "'Then, by His Excellency's instructions, I settled down in London. "'I am English.' "'You are, are you, eh?' "'A natural-born British subject,' Mr. Verloc said stolidly. "'But my father was French, and so—' "'Never mind explaining,' interrupted the other. "'I dare say you could have been legally a Marshal of France "'and a Member of Parliament in England. "'And then, indeed, you would have been of some use to our embassy.' "'This flight of fancy provoked something like a faint smile on Mr. Verloc's face. "'Mr. Vladimir retained an imperturbable gravity. "'But, as I've said, you are a lazy fellow. "'You don't use your opportunities.' In the time of Baron Stott we had a lot of soft-headed people running this embassy. They caused fellows of your sort to form a false conception of the nature of a secret service fund. It is my business to correct this misapprehension by telling you what the secret service is not. It is not a philanthropic institution. I have called you here on purpose to tell you this. "'Mr. Vladimir observed the forced expression of bewilderment on Verloc's face "'and smiled sarcastically. "'I see that you understand me perfectly. "'I dare say you are intelligent enough for your work. "'What we want now is activity. "'Activity!' "'On repeating this last word, "'Mr. Vladimir laid a long white forefinger on the edge of the desk. "'Every trace of huskiness disappeared from Verloc's voice.' The nape of his gross neck became crimson above the velvet collar of his overcoat. His lips quivered before they came widely open. If you'll only be good enough to look up my record, he boomed out in his great clear oratorical bass. you'll see I gave warning only three months ago on the occasion of the Grand Duke Remold's visit to Paris, which was telegraphed from here to the French police, and tut-tut, "'Broke out Mr. Vladimir with a frowning grimace. "'The French police had no use of your warning. "'Don't roar like this. "'What the devil do you mean?' "'With a note of proud humility, "'Mr. Verloc apologized for forgetting himself. "'His voice... "'famous for years at open-air meetings and at workmen's assemblies and large halls, "'had contributed, he said, to his reputation of a good and trustworthy comrade. "'It was, therefore, a part of his usefulness. "'It had inspired confidence in his principles. Mm, "'I was always to put up to speak by the leaders at a critical moment,' "'Mr. Verloc declared with obvious satisfaction. "'There was no uproar above which he could not make himself heard,' he added, "'and suddenly he made a demonstration.' Allow me, he said. With lowered forehead, without looking up swiftly and ponderously, he crossed the room to one of the French windows. As if giving way to an uncontrollable impulse, he opened it a little. Mr. Vladimir, jumping up, amazed from the depths of the armchair, looked over his shoulder, and below, across the courtyard of the embassy, well beyond the open gate, could be seen the broad back of a policeman, watching idly the gorgeous perambulator of a wealthy baby, "'being wheeled in a state across the square. "'Constable!' said Mr. Verloc, "'with no more effort than if he had been whispering. "'And Mr. Vladimir burst into laughing "'on seeing the policeman spin round "'as if prodded by a sharp instrument. "'Mr. Verloc shut the window quietly "'and returned to the middle of the room. "'With voice like that,' he said, "'putting on the husky conversational pedal, "'I was naturally trusted, and I knew what to say, too.' Mr. Vladimir, arranging his cravat, observed him in the glass over the mantelpiece. "'I dare say you have the revolutionary jargon by heart well enough,' he said contemptuously. "'Vox et... uh, you haven't ever studied Latin, have you?' "'No,' growled Mr. Verloc. "'You do not expect me to know it. I belong to the million. Who knows Latin? Only a few hundred imbeciles who aren't fit to take care of themselves.' For some thirty seconds longer Mr. Vladimir studied in the mirror the fleshy profile, the gross bulk of the man behind him, and at the same time he had the advantage of seeing his own face, clean-shaven and round, rosy about the gills, and with the thin, sensitive lips formed exactly for the utterance of those delicate witticisms which had made him such a favourite in the very highest society. Then he turned and advanced into the room with such determination that the very ends of his quaint, old-fashioned bow necktie seemed to bristle with unspeakable menaces. The movement was so swift and fierce that Mr. Verloc, casting an oblique glance, quailed inwardly. Mm, you dare be impudent! Mr. Vladimir began, with an amazingly guttural intonation, not only utterly un-English, but absolutely un-European, and startling even, to Mr. Verloc's experience of cosmopolitan slums. "'You dare? Well, I am going to speak plain English to you now. Voice want to do We have no use for your voice. We don't want a voice. We want facts, startling facts, damn you!' he added with a sort of ferocious discretion right into Mr. Verloc's face. "'Don't you try to come over me with your hyperborean manners,' Mr. Verloc defended himself huskily looking at the carpet. At this, his interlocutor, smiling mockingly above the bristling bow of his necktie, switched the conversation into French. "'You give yourself for an agent provocateur. The proper business of an agent provocateur is to provoke." "'As far as I can judge from your record kept here, "'you have done nothing to earn your money for the last three years.' "'Nothing?' exclaimed Verloc, stirring not a limb and not raising his eyes, "'but with a note of sincere feeling in his tone. I have several times prevented what might have been. "'There is a proverb in this country which says prevention is better than cure,' "'interrupted Mr. Vladimir, throwing himself into the armchair.' It is uh, stupid in a general way. There is no end to prevention, but it is characteristic. They dislike finality in this country. Don't you be too English. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family